Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not the same old thing. Different, different. This is NOCO FM. Raise your hand if you've ever had terrible sex. Now raise your other hand if you'd like it a whole lot better. Today on The Spark, I interview award-winning author, medical professional, and sexuality teacher Sherry Winston as she shares her insights and wisdom about what can make our sex life sizzle. Sherry has helped thousands of men and women connect better with others and themselves and have totally mind-blowing sex. So get ready for this provocative, playful, and important interview as we dive into the depths of pleasure, intimacy, and arousal. This is The Spark. I'm your host, Stephanie James. You know, I want to start by just talking a little bit about your personal story, because I think it's very interesting. You were a licensed massage therapist in 1980. Is that correct? Yeah. <laughs> it's like the dark ages. It's so long ago. <laughs> and so how did you go from there to becoming a holistic sexuality teacher and best-selling author, award-winning author? Um, it. I think it's a kind of interesting story too. So I actually had started out actually, so I went to art school, dropped out of art school pretty much right away because <laughs> I realized that was just a crazy way to make a living. Uh, and I had always uh, loved doing body work. So it seemed like a good way to make money while I was figuring out what to do. So I went to massage school, loved it. It was wonderful. I knew it was the start of something else. And I had a client, a client who got pregnant. And invited me to uh, go to her home birth with her. And so I went to a home birth. I was about 20 years old, 19 or 20. I went to this home birth and it was like the heavens opened up and my path unfurled before me. And uh, and I got the calling to be a midwife. So then I became a childbirth educator in this country in order to be a legal midwife. First, you have to be a RN, a bachelor's prepared RN. So uh, I was kind of resistant to going to nursing school. So I spent a couple of years apprenticing and assisting at home births and kind of going very alternative route. And then I decided I really wanted to be legal and I was going to bite the bullet and go to nursing school, which I did. So that was four years there. And, uh, you know, that had its, the stories because I was just an alien. Um, <laughs> <laughs> coming from holistic healing and home birth to like, the hospital. Anyway, did that, worked for another year or two in the field, and then went to midwifery school, which is another couple of years. And voila, I was finally a certified nurse midwife. And then I did that for the next, I don't know, dozen years or so. And then somewhere around 40, I just was burnt out. I was tired. I'd been on call for 20 years. I just I just thought I needed a break. So I, I quit my midwife job and I uh, was just working as a nurse practitioner in a clinic, and I was considering becoming just a holistic gynecology nurse practitioner. And um, and I loved what I was doing. I, you know, I was very happy to go to work every day and take awesome care of, you know, a dozen women. But I wasn't waking up and going, oh, this is like the best thing ever. And I had been teaching the whole time. I was teaching childbirth classes, and I had started at some point teaching what I called womancraft classes, which were things like vaginal ecology and menstrual health and stuff like that. And at that point, I added a class for women about how to have better orgasms, better sex. 
oh my gosh, it was the most fun ever. And the morning I woke up when I knew I was teaching that night, I was so jazzed up. And then all my guy friends started saying, we want to come to the class. I'm like, you can't come to the class. It's just for women. They're like, well, teach us a class. Like, all right. So then I added a class for men about female sexuality. And that was so much fun. I mean, just imagine all these men just sitting there listening to every word you say about, you know, how to pleasure women. Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) And so over the next four or five years, I just kept adding more and more classes. And it became evident during that time that that's what my next calling was. And so I invented my my title of holistic sexuality teacher because there wasn't anything that described what I did. I I sometimes say I help midwife people's sexuality. But who knows what that means? Anyway. um, And so then, yeah, so then I spent about the last 20 years with this ever-expanding curriculum of sexuality classes. And I I also did professional trainings for other healthcare providers to be able to deal with people's sexuality better because most healthcare providers are clueless and things like how to give an empowering pelvic exam, which is so needed. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then I went it with like 75 classes uh, that I was teaching. And, uh, and I wrote two books. And I did a bunch of online courses and here we are now. Wow. So it's such an interesting journey for all of us, how one thing leads to another and serendipitously then another door opens and then you find what sounds like was such a fit for you and such a passion then literally figuratively um, to, to bring this information and to share this with people. And just as a wonderful uh, additional thing, I never stopped doing art. And I illustrated my own book for my the anatomy illustrations because when I teach about female anatomy, I'm teaching stuff that isn't anywhere else. It's information that's just not available. And um, so there are no good anatomy illustrations of it. And so I was able to do my own illustrations exactly how I wanted them of all the parts, where they really are, how they change, how they're connected. So that has just been a great joy to me that my artistic um, love came back around and became one with my teaching. So that was just another beautiful, lovely connection. Yeah. Just that it came full circle for you. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. Let me talk to you about this. Why do you think in our culture, why do we still struggle so much with this taboo of sexuality? You know, we have so many different threads in that tapestry. We've got a deep history of cultural shame around sex, bodies and particularly female bodies we certainly are also living in a time where we have unprecedented information and knowledge and access which you would think would be helpful and in some ways it is at the same time you go google something and the answer you get might just be really bad information we have porn and I'm not knocking porn, but most porn, it's a fantasy. It's not real. So it's not that useful for learning how to have awesome sex. You certainly don't see things usually in porn or romantic comedies or in your family of origin or anywhere that teaches us how to communicate about sex. You know, if you want to learn how to play tennis, you go take tennis classes. You want to learn how to have amazing sex and great orgasms. Well, you could come to me, but there's not a lot of me's out there. There's just not a lot of places to go to learn. And then I think despite 
the openness that many of us have, feeling our shame around our sexuality, our bodies, and just all of the other things that we've been shamed for in our lives, all those negative messages. It's a lifelong project. And I think it takes a lot of uh, courage and consciousness in order to go on that journey. So I, I think we're dealing with all of those things. And then finally, I think, again, there's sort of a, a segment of the culture that is terrified of the power, really, of liberation and of being an authentic connection with yourself and your desires and your pleasure. And that just scares the hell out of them. And those type of people are the ones who are really trying to keep down the forces that will empower us. And one of those things that empowers us is when we liberate our sexuality and we are truly in touch with our pleasure, what we want, how to get it. So it's, it's a complex battle. It's a war, really, that we're, that we're undergoing in some ways. And sometimes it's internal and sometimes it's very, very external. It's the cultural element as well as, right, I'm hearing you say the internal process, mm-hmm. you know, and, yeah. and how we deal with our own, whether it's body image, with our own messages that we've taken on that become then beliefs around our sexuality and our bodies. So, yeah, I, I really do hear that struggle. And, you know, you talk about erotic empowerment. It's one of the things that I saw when I was researching some of your material. So what is erotic empowerment? And how do we get there? Well, I think all of this begins with our relationship with ourselves. Uh, We tend to think of sex as something we do with somebody else. Yes, yes, we might play with ourselves, but that's not real sex. But the truth is our sexuality is an aspect of our core relationship with ourselves in every way, shape and form. It's It's our genetics. It's the nature of being a human animal. It's all the learning we've ever done, which started before we were even born. And then while we were born and then how our, our diapers were changed, you know, and how our genitals were washed. We've been learning that whole time. So our sexuality is, it's nature, it's nurture, it's what we, it's what we, we've learned. It's understanding this animal part of us. We are animals. Part of our sexuality is, I mean, like the, the urge to mate, the reproductive urge is number two on the hip parade of survival, right? Number one, I must survive. Number two, I must reproduce. It's as powerful as it gets. So we've got all of that. And uh, and then to understand that and figure out how to learn, what we want to learn, that it is learnable even. So I think uh, learning how to be an erotic virtuoso, that is how to play your own instrument of your erotic experience and skill and finesse and and beauty is a uh, just like learning to play the piano anyone can learn it it usually takes some time we all have natural musical abilities some more than others but as you start learning it i'm not even talking about becoming a uh, masterful at it yet but as we go through that learning process and we start recognizing i can enhance my erotic experience. I can go deeper into arousal. I can have more pleasure. That is empowering. And as we break through, as we use that to break through the inhibitions and blocks, for example, a sound inhibition, we have such inhibition about the sound of pleasure. 
But when we break through that, when we start making those sounds, and then one day you're just kind of the observer in your head is noticing that as you go through your erotic journey at that moment, you are making gorgeous, delicious erotic sounds and they're enhancing the experience and you don't give a flying anything about who hears it. Suddenly it is so liberating. And every one of those steps, using your courage muscle and using it again and again, experiencing steps toward liberation, uh, learning what you want, how to express it with a partner, experimenting, exploring, stretching your boundaries and finding, wow, there's a whole realm here that I hadn't gone into before that I can explore. All of that ultimately is deeply, deeply empowering. And as we then begin that process, how, how would you encourage someone to start that journey? Well, like I said, it begins with yourself. So I think a lot of this, uh, well, certainly you can learn a lot with a partner, but I, I believe our foundational learning laboratory is in ourselves. So I encourage people start with your solo sex and start to just tune in, uh, use your We've got skills, different buckets, I call them, or toolkits of the mind, the body, the heart, and the spirit. Start using your the tool of your awareness, which is your foundational mind tool. And just start by noticing. Just go on that journey of solo sex with yourself and just notice. And then afterwards go, hmm, that's interesting. Uh, where did I stop myself? Uh, what body position was I in? What happened with my breathing? Did I make sounds? What came up for me? What thoughts might have slowed me down or stopped me? Did I get stuck somewhere? Just notice them. Don't have to do anything about it yet. Just start by noticing. And then choose one simple thing to experiment with. So, for example, a great first set of experiments is with breathing. Breathing is your foundational body tool. And it's the connection between your conscious and unconscious. It's where you're automatic nervous system and your voluntary nervous systems overlap. So it's part of the one of those foundational tools that you can use to change your state. And that's what arousal is. It's a trance state. You want to go into this erotic trance. So then after you've noticed, first you notice, well, you know what, as I get near orgasm or as I'm orgasming, I hold my breath. Okay, so next time let's run a little experiment and make sure to keep our breath moving at that point. And then notice what happens. And if anything gives you more pleasure, practice it. Notice that usually in early arousal, I breathe slower. Okay, well, let's play with that. What happens in early arousal if I breathe even slower and deeper? What if I breathe all the way into my belly? Or I notice as I get deeper into arousal, I breathe faster. What would happen if I, breath, if I, if I went to a slow breath at that point? Or was that alternate slow, fast, slow, fast? What what happens when is the important question. And then you run experiments and you notice. And then as you develop skills and you get more of a repertoire with your instrument, you keep going. And that's how you get there. Step by step, little step by step. Thank you for sharing that. You know, I, I feel like so often, you know, clients I have in my office that are talking about sex a lot of times talk about it just becomes so habitual and habitual with their partner necessarily, you know, and, and they're not even, so they're not experimenting with themselves. 
and then they aren't experimenting with a partner, it's like, oh, well, I do, this is just kind of how we learned to have sex. And, you know, these were my first sexual experiences. So I guess this is it. And how wonderful. I, I love that you talked about, too, becoming an erotic virtuoso. One of my really good girlfriends is a violinist virtuoso. And I, so I think about the hours and hours and hours of practice it took for her to become someone then that played on Broadway and is just an amazing, amazing artist. So that, that we can also become the artists of our own bodies and our own experience. That does sound incredibly empowering. So how do we break out of some of the habitual stuff moving to the next level after we kind of learn some of these things about ourselves, does it become communication with our partner or how do we kind of bridge that next to that next place? Well, I think there are skills, partner skills, right? We talked about solo skills. That's what we were talking about before, how I use my breath with myself. Uh, and then there are partner skills. How can we use breath together? And then there's a whole other set of partner skills. How can we communicate? How can we become uh, exquisite with our boundaries? One of the big partner skills, boundaries. And so in order to expand our partner pleasure, I think we need to start by having some conversations, not while we're having sex. So having a conversation and start with what's true for you at that moment, which might be saying to your partner, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> I feel anxious about having a conversation with you about our sex lives. And yet, I really value our connection and our pleasure. And I think it can be even better than it is, all in a positive light. And I, I would like to invite you to have this conversation, even though we don't know how to do it, even though I feel anxious or nervous. Uh, let's do it. Let's set some time can do it however we're, let's build a fire and look in each other's eyes, or let's do it while we're on a hike in the woods, right? Great. Whatever's yeah. going to work for you. Some people talk better face-to-face. -face. Some people talk better side-by-side, -side, right? For sure. Just even recognizing that. And make this a regular part of your intimate relationships where you have conversations. How's it going? What's working for you? Start with the positive always. Yes. It's always a great habit to get into. What's working for you? What would you like to have happen that hasn't been happening? And so having conversations about sex while we're not having it. So that's number one. Number two, have what, what I call playpens. So a playpen is a date, a time and a space meant to practice skills play communication games, just like if you were doing a duet with another musician. Sometimes you're just going to get together and spontaneously jam. That's what sex is. Sometimes you might have a conversation about how your duet is going. What do we want to do next? Where do we want to go? What's... And then sometimes you're going to have sessions where you're actually learning and practicing stuff together where you might go, let's just practice that one riff. Oh, I see. Let's just do that a bunch of times. And then let's talk about it. And so in a playpen, you can create any game you want. It's just like when we were little kids and we were like, oh, let's, let's go out in the woods and play pirates. And your friend goes like, well, I wanted to play fairies. And you go, well, let's, let's play pirate fairies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just you're making it up. But if you can identify something in conversation, like, you know, I think we have a challenge about feedback. 
I noticed the last time we had sex, I asked you to go more slowly. And I could see that you went more slowly, but it wasn't as slow as I was wanting. Let's have a playpen where we just focus on what do we mean by this word? What do we mean by slow? And we'll do some stroking and I'll show you what I mean by slow. And then maybe we develop some other little, maybe we have really slow. We have super slow. And then next time we're having sex, we can just, we'll have that code. And now instead of me going slow and you not quite getting what I meant, I can be more specific and go super slow. I would love that super slow, baby. (laughs) And then, voila, our partner is now doing what we wanted. So this this is the process. It, It takes some more time and energy and thought, but that's what will expand and keep us expanding throughout the time we're with a partner. And I love this concept of the playpen because it somehow takes off the pressure and and makes it not so serious. So it's like, let's try this because we're going to be playing. You know, we're we're just going to go like on this little adventure together instead of it having to be be so serious or or even something that would be conflictual between the partners. It's like, Mm -hmm. no, let's just go to the playpen and and just try it out. Let's just play. Yeah. Yeah. And, And we can make up games, right? We can make up learning games and we can just play them. And then see how they win. And he, and there's no pressure. It's not, it's not, it's got that creative playfulness, which is really part of what we're trying to bring to our encounters with our partners. And that's where, when we get into that habitual stuck pattern, we've lost the playfulness. We've lost the exploration quality of it. And this will help us bring it back because now we, you know, anything, anything now can happen. And once we get these skills, we get skilled at communicating. Right now, and once I have that, then I'm more empowered to ask a partner for something that maybe I've been wanting, but I've been too shy to ask or share about. Now I've got some skills to do it. I could bring it up in the conversation. I could bring it up as a game, as a playpen. And as I develop these tools and skills, I can probably also maybe bring it up while we're having sex in an elegant, erotic way so that it doesn't derail us with whole conversation. And you know. and the part, too, about it being that we have to learn about each other. And so this is really this learning process. And people don't usually start having sex and they're experts on each other. That it truly is. You know, I, I've definitely had some of my clients say, well, I'm just really good in bed as they're with a new partner and kind of, you know, bragging maybe a little bit about themselves or their quote unquote skills. And, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, you may be really well skilled, yet you have to attune to your partner and they yeah. might like things very different. So it's, it's really this process that I'm hearing from you is learning about each other and what feels good to you and to your partner and deepening that. And getting rid of some of these myths that we have, which is the myth of the psychic partner. If you loved me, you would know what I want. If you love me, you would know how to pleasure me and give me orgasms. First of all, nobody gives anybody orgasms. They might help facilitate it, but it's your experience. But nobody knows. And particularly if we partner with people who have different kind of plumbing than we do, they're going to be even less aware of what might pleasure us because it's different for them. They've got different equipment. It's like having a Mac or a PC. Some of the buttons are the same. 
some of them are just don't operate, you know, and if I'm, I'm used to a PC and I'm on someone's Mac and I'm pushing the button, I'm going, why isn't this working? It works on my computer. (laughs) So we need, we need to learn. We need to communicate and everyone is different. Yeah. And that's so key. your boy priest d d for daddy aka double s slim and sexy aka double s c d slim sexy c Celine dion <laughs> or you can just call me pwt pretty white t oh this dr ij what's up everybody this is your girl tiff and we are two dudes and a chick and we are so excited to be part of this no code family oh yeah y'all gonna love us man tune in Every Sunday at 7 o'clock. 7 Mountain Time. Mountain, mountain time. time. Shout out to the No Code fam for bringing this on, man. We appreciate y'all. Peace. Bye. Peace. Hey, friends. This is Charles with NoCo FM, the podcast network and streaming radio station dedicated to creating diverse shows just like this one and the numerous others that we help produce. We hope you'll consider becoming a supporter on Patreon, which helps us pay our hosts, produce more shows, and allows us to give back to nonprofits in Northern Colorado. Not only do you become part of our community, but giving also gets you access to an incredible selection of exclusive content from all of our creators, starting at just $2 a month. To get started now, just visit noco.fm patron and sign up. Once again, that's n-o-c-o dot f-m slash patron. Now, Back to the show. You know, another little map I like to use is the Pussies and Puppies. I call it the Pussies and Puppies School of Love. And there's a lot to it, but just in this one piece of it is you don't play with a pussy cat the same way you play with a puppy dog, right? Indeed. So if you're a puppy dog and you think, you know, well, I'm going to throw the ball and the pussy cat's going to fetch, the pussy cat's like looking at the ball going like, cats don't fetch. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you get like, what's wrong? And then we start blaming ourselves or blaming each other instead of going, oh, this is a pussy cat. I need to play a different kind of game here, right? Give this pussy cat pleasure and different cat, like different petting. Yes, that it's so individual, and so it's mm-hmm. really like tuning in then to that person mm-hmm. and communicating. So the tuning in isn't just like you're saying. I'm not going to just psychically know what this person wants. I'm going to tune in through conversation and connection that way. So we can really share and and deepen true emotional intimacy as well as we learn how to to really trust one another and feel safe with each other going to these places where we're able to say, this is what feels good to me. This is what I like. Tell me what feels good to you. And there is also some useful maps that we can have, like the pussies and puppies and understanding, you know, if you want to rub my pussycat's belly, it's going to take some time to get there. And for many women, arousal takes a certain amount of time. It takes many women longer to get into our arousal trance. Most puppy dogs, 30 seconds, you can have them on their back be rubbing their tummy. And for many 
many uh, penis owners have that kind of arousal that if I wanted to start lovemaking with my partner by diving into his crotch and just lavishing attention on his genitals, he would be thrilled. He would be so happy. He's a puppy dog. He'd be like, yeah, that's it. Rub my belly, baby, right? Mm -hmm. If he did that to me, I would be appalled. I'd be like, what are you doing? I'm not there yet. I have to go there to get there. So there are also some maps that we can get that really help us understand how we're wired, how our partners are wired, and that can help give us a framework that makes it easier. So I think that's useful. And in addition, I will say that understanding the actual map of the body is super useful and that the the cultural maps that we have, and I mean textbooks and sex books, medical providers, sex teachers, therapists, everyone, uh, the map of female genitalia is incomplete. And so it's incredibly empowering if you own this equipment, when you have a map that is congruent with your body and it expands how much pleasure you can have when you understand all the parts you have, how they're connected, why they're connected how to pleasure them. And so there's also some very, not that complicated maps that we can use, but they're not readily available. It's the the map of the female genitalia. So that's another thing. Well, and so I'm imagining if we can talk a little bit about your book, The the Woman's Anatomy of Arousal, is, is that part of what inspired you to write that book, having these accurate maps? Yes. Yeah. I, um, so I was already working as a midwife. So I had gone through all those many years of school. I had studied anatomy with a focus on female anatomy five times in my education. And I came across this book called New View of a Woman's Body. And there's a chapter about female genital anatomy. And it described and, and had illustrations of parts called vestibular bulbs. And I read that and I went, What? I've never heard of those. What are you talking about vestibular bulbs? So I immediately, I mean, literally, I've got the book in one hand. Off come my pants. I get a mirror. I'm looking. I'm feeling. Um, and um, sure enough, uh, we have vestibular bulbs. They're made out of erectile tissue. So when you look, you actually aren't going to see that much until you play with them. And then they puff up like erectile tissue does. And then I remember playing with myself, looking at my vulva and going, oh, my goddess, how on earth did I not know this? How did I miss this all these years? I mean, it absolutely blew my mind. And that started me on what I call, which is the subtitle of the book, The Hunt for Buried Pleasure. Because I started going, well, if I with all of my knowledge and expertise, didn't know about this. What else do I not know? What else is missing from our picture? And I discovered a number of other parts that were missing from our picture, as well as the understanding that it's actually a connected circuit of erectile tissue, that there's multiple parts, but they're connected uh, and yet separate, and that we can... uh, we own this equipment, we can get aroused and orgasmic with just some of our erectile tissue engorged. But when we get all of it engorged, it creates this amazing circuit and just hugely like a quantum leap of expansion of pleasure. 
And yeah, so I found all kinds of stuff that was missing from our model. Uh, the uterus. The uterus is a player in arousal and orgasm. And I was taught in school quite clearly, the uterus has nothing to do with pleasure. It's just for babies. And in fact, in uh, the United States, we have one of the highest rates of hysterectomy in the world. We take them out all the time. We are just like, yeah, any little problem, just take all out. And no one is telling women that this can have an effect on your experience of arousal and orgasm. But it does, because the uterus is a player. But nobody knows that. So this is that not knowing this information has effects on health, on pleasure, on our our self-image, our self-understanding of what we've got and what's possible. Um, I'll just give another example, if I may. Yes, please. Most women are not orgasmic from intercourse. We have a cultural model that says, this is it. This is the real thing. And so, and like many women, I had that experience of when I first did it, afterwards going, that was it? Right. <laughs> that wasn't so great. Yeah. Like, I don't get it. What's the big deal here? That wasn't so pleasurable. I liked the other stuff I was doing better. So when we don't understand, we've got this whole erectile network. And we don't take the time to get deeply aroused and get the whole network engorged. And of course, it might feel good, but it's not going to be spectacular. We can learn how to make it spectacular. I'm still not saying that's all that, you know, there is or that necessarily that should be the, the ultimate thing. But we can learn. We can learn to have orgasms with intercourse. It's a learnable skill. Don't have to, but we can. But we have a lot of people feeling really dissatisfied. Women feeling like there's something wrong with me because I've never had an orgasm or I don't have them easily or I don't have them the right way with intercourse. We have their partners perhaps feeling bad because they're not doing a good job. Dogs love to do a good job, right? They're feeling bad. They They want their woman to have pleasure. And frankly, there's nothing more erotic than watching your partner dissolve into ecstasy, right? We want that. It's, it's empowering to feel like we can facilitate that. And not having this information is part of it. It's so, it can be so damaging to relationships, damaging to our self-esteem, health issues. I mean, it just goes on and on. So, yeah, all of that caused me to write the book. No, but I think it's yep, so... I write the books. I'm, I'm so glad that you have because I think it's so important that people do have an appropriate roadmap to all of this. And that they can start learning from from reading your book and then exploring themselves and then with their partner. You know, one of the questions I, I wanted to ask you, because I'm working on a project with Misa Hopkins around healing sexual abuse with women. I'm just wondering, how does this sexuality, how does it interface with people that have experienced sexual abuse? It's a great question, and it's an important question because the number of people who have experienced abuse is so significant. And I have found in my work with thousands of people that having that accurate roadmap is a part of regaining a feeling of ownership and sovereignty, especially over your genitals. Um, one of the things I think that, that can happen for people who have that kind of experience is that other people might, or they themselves might have incorporated the idea that their experience isn't valid, right? That, that 
you know, oh, it wasn't so bad or get over it. And there's so many ways we sort of belittle or minimize people's experience of lots of emotions, in fact, but especially trauma. And so I think when we, we do have the experience of having congruence, when my mental map and my body's experience match up and I get that, oh, this is really what's here and how it works and how it fits together and everything, to me, it really supports that feeling of um, that, that our, it's valid. Our experience of our body is valid. I have a map that confirms it. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. That, yeah. So I think that, that it can be incredibly useful that way. I also find that the state of arousal itself, the altered state of consciousness that is arousal, is a powerful time to do healing of any kind. It's a great time to retrain your brain to get rid of negative messages, which is part of healing lots of things, including sexual trauma. It's a, a way to reprogram your body mind to have more pleasure. What can happen with trauma is sometimes people numb that, numb out. They don't feel they're, they've turned that part of their body off. And so during arousal is a great time to help. It helps your brain turn more of your perception on and, and awaken and enliven your body. So there's lots of ways that this can be used to heal that trauma. And of course, remembering that healing trauma, like becoming an erotic virtuoso or anything else, it's a journey. It takes a while. There's no end point anyway, and it can be healed. We are amazing at healing. And, and also just to say for, for people who are working on that, find the people who've been on that journey and gotten to the other side. And when you meet a totally empowered, erotic goddess woman who says, yeah, well, this is what happened to me. And look at here I am. That really helps you go, oh, okay, I get it. It's possible. I don't have to live the rest of my life feeling like an abuse victim. I can not only become a survivor, I can thrive and in fact, be perhaps even more empowered because I've taken that back from whoever took it. I think there's a lot of potential. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I, I just think that is such an essential message. And as, as we're getting close to running out on time, if you could tell me just a little bit about your Center for Intimate Arts and your holistic sexuality curriculum that can people tap into. So uh, we also, always go to my website, intimateartscenter.com. And on my website, there's tons of free things. There's uh, written blogs and there's some things about anatomy with pictures and, that I drew and, and uh, some video blogs and a bunch of free things you can download. So that's a great place to start. You can get on my email list. Sort of next up, there's the books. And I really recommend Women's Anatomy of Arousal as kind of the core starting point. Just you can start with that. The, my second book, Succulent Sex Path, is about is for anyone in becoming an erotic virtuoso. I will say Women's Anatomy of Arousal is also for men who partner with women. And, um, and I very much wrote it also for that audience. So that's a great place to start. I have recorded online courses, um, about seven of them people can you know, purchase for a very reasonable price and download and watch at their leisure. And then um, at this moment, I'm not doing live classes. I'm on a bit of a sabbatical, but get on my email list. You'll know when that's happening. Oh, and Women's Anatomy of Arousal, by the way, is available as an audiobook. 
Uh, it's available on Kindle. And literally this week, just finalizing the cover in Spanish. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I so. just downloaded it on Audible. And uh-huh. so I was just laughing. I'll be probably driving around town just with a big smile on my face. <laughs> if you do download it on Audible, make sure to download the PDFs of the anatomy drawings. Well, because yes. As soon as I heard you say that there were drawings, I knew like, oh, I missed something. Yeah, because I think it's, I wrote the book with the images, so I don't have to sort of describe it because I'm assuming you're looking at the picture. So one of my concerns about the when I was uh, approached to do the uh, the audible version was the pictures. <laughs> so we'll make sure we recommend that as well. Yeah, exactly. So um, lots of ways to, to get more information. Sherry, thank you so much. What a delight to talk with you. And you can just see your wonderful energy and just your passion for helping bring this awareness and learning to others. It truly is a gift. And I am so thankful for you and for this information that you share. Well, thank you for having me on the show. And it is quite frankly, my pleasure. There's no (laughs) doubt about that. I love it. What I really loved about my conversation with Sherry is understanding how important it is that we talk about some of these subjects that really are difficult and sometimes are really uncomfortable conversations, but especially with our partner to be able to communicate in this even more intimate way about what we want to receive, what we like, and how to increase each other's pleasure. I think one of the important things that we really learned about was the importance, especially as women, of understanding our bodies. When Sherry was talking about in nursing school, there just weren't any models for female anatomy and how empowering it is as women, as we really learn about our own bodies and when we get in touch with our own sexual self and give ourselves permission to do that, it just enriches and enhances our life. And then it even brings more intimacy into our relationships when we're able to communicate about what we want to receive and what feels good to us. You know, we can't separate ourselves. Our sexuality is part of our whole person concept. So as we become more comfortable with this very intimate part within ourselves, it does help us to heal and it can continue to help us heal in relationships. It's really true. When we learn how to best play with ourselves, we can play even better with others. Remember, The Spark is your show too. If you have questions, feedback on the show, or if you're going through something and need a little help, we'd love to hear from you. Continue the conversation with us at our website, thesparkpod.com, and on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. New episodes of The Spark air Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Mountain. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. The show is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional and should not be considered medical advice. If you're having a mental or physical health crisis, please seek treatment immediately. The Spark is produced by NOCO Media Limited, which is solely responsible for its content. Thanks again for listening. This has been The Spark, igniting your best life. I'm Stephanie James.
This has been a production of NOCO FM.